Hi, I'm Kevin. I'm a, I'm a compulsive reader, and um, I'm very nervous. Uh, I I saw myself uh, getting angry at all of you, like somehow it's your fault that I have to speak at this meeting because I have nothing to say. And I think, you know, Kev, that's just your fear. These people are fine. You're just nervous. You're just afraid. Just tell your story and let it go. All right. So you don't have to do it perfectly. So I'm uh, 61 years old and I first came into OA almost 40 years ago. And, and um, it's just been an incredibly, you know, I don't recommend, I don't recommend that people follow in my footsteps. It's, it's been an interesting journey, but uh, you know, I think in many ways, um, I'm the, I'm the example you want to learn not to do, not what to do, though I'm very grateful for the recovery I have now. Um, as I said, I came back, you know, I st first started coming to OA about 40 years ago. I came back in July of 18 at um, 300, about 300 pounds after about a 25-year relapse. Um, I'm five foot 10, so that's a lot of weight. I had a 48 48 inch waist, which is uh, the height of a small fence, the kind of fence you can keep a small child or dog, you know, secure in your yard. It's a pretty big waist. And that wasn't my top weight. My top weight was probably 320. Today I weigh around, you know, my weight fluctuates anywhere from about 170 to 175. And um, that's kind of a miracle because when I came back to OA, I came back angry and desperate, and it was the last place I wanted to come. Um, I just didn't want to be there, but I also knew if I continued, I was going to die. I mean, I had all the chronic or many of the chronic health conditions you can get from this disease. Um, but the biggest thing was just the self-hatred, the self-loathing, the shame, the guilt, the despair of, you know, every day, um, you know, I'm not going to eat. This, these foods. I'm not going to go through the drive-through. I'm not going to go to the vending machine at work a dozen times. And of course, that, those are all the things I did, right? I mean, like toward the end, I was I couldn't get through a day with um, without doing doing one one or all of those things. And the shame of when you go to the store, you're going up and down the grocery. You know, you're filling your shopping cart with all your with all my junk food, and you know, and then you try to camouflage it by putting, you know, fruits and vegetables over the top. Like, who am I kidding? And just the shame when you're at the checkout line, like, you know, is that, is this, is this person think I'm going to eat six bags of cookies, two cakes, a couple gallons of ice cream. And, you know, so that was, uh, that's a tough one. And the, but the biggest thing is, so I was still a compulsive eater. I still turned to food to solve my problems, but it didn't work. And our literature talks about that, how we seek comfort in food. We, it's, we seek, you know, it's a way to escape our problems or to escape life. And for decades, food worked for me. It really, really did. It put me in another dimension. It was my primary relationship. But toward the end, I, it didn't give me that relief. I couldn't stop eating compulsively. I still turned to the food, but it didn't work. I was still stuck. I still, I was still hated myself. I, I wasn't able to escape into fantasy land. And um, 
And that was horrible. I, I got to tell you, some of my most worst times, I was taking a shopping cart, going up and down the aisles of Safeway, looking for that perfect binge food and not finding it. You know, is it going to be these cakes? Is it going to be this ice cream? Is it going to be chips? Whatever it's going to be and looking and just realizing none of this is going to do it, but you still buy it and you still eat it. That's, that's sort of the insanity of this disease. So that's kind of where I was when I came back. And um, I got a sponsor, uh, work with my sponsor. We've gone through the steps. I do all the things that are recommended. And I, today I have recovery. I have a very imperfect recovery. Um, you know, my abstinence is simple. I can eat anything I want. I just have to take a picture of everything I eat throughout the day. And at the end of the day, I text my sponsor those pictures. As long as I do that, I'm abstinent. And that's it. And I did it that way because... If I have an abstinence that's rigid, like here are the good foods, here are the bad foods, here's here's the amount you can eat, here's what you can't eat, then I'm going to rebel. And I'm not going to do it perfectly. And I'm going to get stuck in the food. I'm going to get stuck into like, you know, I had six more bites of this or ate that where I'm not supposed to be. Aren't I a horrible person? You know, I'm a loser. I'm a failure. I've got to start over again. And I get locked in on the food. It's really not about the food. You know, it's about the inner turmoil that goes on in my head. It's it's the it's the judgment, the criticism, the again the self loathing, um, feeling like I'm never enough. You're not enough. Nothing's enough. Um, that's the stuff that that drives me to the food. That's the stuff that you know um, I got to work on. And if I can work on that, then the food doesn't call me or doesn't call me as much. So that's kind of where I am today. Um, and you know, in my relapse, so I'm gonna go back to the beginning. So came to OA in my very early twenties. At that time and throughout my twenties, my weight would yo-yo from about 160 to 190. And a diet for me, you know, I was just constantly and it was usually about 170 to 180. And I was constantly several times a year gaining and Gaining and losing that weight, gaining and losing, gaining and losing. And the diet for me at that time was, you know, I won't go to Baskin and Robbins six times this week. Well, I didn't go six. I maybe went three. I'll go once. I won't go to the drive-through three times a day. I'll only go once. You know, I just, you know, I, I was, uh, I exercised. I was, I was a gym rat. I loved to exercise. I abused it. And I had the metabolism of a dog, so I could eat a lot. And it, and it didn't really show up too much in weight. And if it did, I just cut back a bit. So I wasn't ready to give up the food. In my early 30s, um, that kind of ended for me because I started getting injured and I couldn't exercise the way I did. And I started to gain weight. And I got and my parents had died a few years earlier than that. And I was just I was really desperate in the program. I, I for the first time I took the program really seriously and it worked for me. You know, I actually went through the steps, um, lost the weight I had to lose at that time. And then I relapsed over feelings. I just couldn't handle my emotions and, and just left. And as I said, I was gone for the, about 25 years. And during that time I was gone, some years I'd go to a couple of meetings a year. I'd go to a couple of months, maybe, maybe 50, 60 meetings in a year. Some years, no meetings. But it never always kind of came to scoff, always came to like, oh, I'm back just to see what losers you guys are and how you don't have answers. I don't know why, why I'd show up, but I did. So that was kind of my story. And, you know, I'm just really, 
a very, I'm a late bloomer in all areas of my life. And so even in OA, even in recovery, it just takes me a long time to figure things out. It takes me a long time to gain willingness. And um, so I'm really grateful for that relapse. It gave me the willingness that um, uh, I never really had before, right? You know, not, not deep down. Um, so that's, you know, that's why it took, it took me what it took me. Now, you know, if I'd never left, if I kept coming back, if I, if I could have been honest about what was going on in my life, um, my relapse would have been significantly less. Um, I don't know that for a fact, but I believe that. I also, you know, so that, I guess that's the message for me. It's like, so one of the reasons that OA was difficult for me in my, in my 20s was I was so afraid, you know, of letting people know who I was. And part of recovery is you have to kind of, in safe ways, you have to let other people know who you are. And, and you know, and, and who I am is super imperfect. I'm good at th- some things, not so good at other things. Um, and, and I couldn't stand that. You know, I had to be the best. And you couldn't, and, I, and I, I couldn't stand the idea that you would find, you would find out that I wasn't. And, and I clearly wasn't. Um, you know, um, the only person who, who thought I was the best was me. Everybody else kind of like, you know, you're just a guy, right? You're, you're, you know, you're, you're kind of funny and, and you, you've got some good qualities, but you're just a guy. You're just, uh, just, you're just one of us, right? But no, I, no, I've got to be the best. I've got to be better than everybody. So I couldn't stand that. And that really kept me back, um, uh, and I guess that's the thing I've learned, learned slowly is that um, I don't have to be perfect and I can make tons of mistakes and I can be wrong and I can change my mind and I can make bad decisions. And so can you. It's been just this idea of self-acceptance and just being easy on myself and being easy on other people has been a real key to my recovery. Now that's been super hard and I have moments where I'm not that way. I have lots of moments where I'm not that way. I was helping somebody in another 12 step group yesterday become the zoom host for a meeting we attend and he wasn't getting it and he wasn't getting it and he wasn't getting it. And I was nice and I was patient and I was kind and I'm really grateful I was, but in my head, I heard, I heard the voices of my youth. You fucking moron. You're so stupid. Why can't you get it? What is wrong with you? God damn it. I don't, you know, I mean, I had a very harsh upbringing. Um, That's how I talk to people. That's how people talk to me. And that voice is still in my head. That voice doesn't help very well with recovery. It just doesn't. Now, even knowing that doesn't help me because I'm powerless over that voice too, right? And that's the biggest thing that, the biggest difference between now and then is I'm finally, finally, finally de- developing a relationship with a higher power because really on my own, I am powerless. I'm powerless over my thoughts. I'm powerless over what I think of you, what I think you think of me, whether you think about me enough or not at all. I'm just powerless over everything. And um, that's, and I think I always knew that, but I always think it was still up to me to, to, to try to fix it. So I just kept trying and trying and trying and trying. The idea of turning my life and my will over a higher power, I didn't want to do that because the only kind of higher power I could come up with 
would just beat the crap out of me. So why would I want to do that? Um, and I wasn't willing enough or honest enough to say, I, you know, I'd, I'd pay lip service to what higher power, how awesome, how great. Meanwhile, these thought bubbles in my head are like, this is a bunch of shit. I'm not turning my life and will over this higher power. This is going to get me. And so it was my relapse that made me desperate to kind of put all that stuff aside, to put my doubts and my fears aside and just try. Um, and, and then, tr- and, and, and beyond that, trusting other people and trusting myself. I mean, that's, those are big things for me. I don't trust. I always think, you know, just around the corner, the world's going to open up and swallow me and that's going to be the end of me. And, um, and it's just taken a long time to learn that's not the, that's not the case. You know, all kinds of, you know, I can do all kinds of stupid things and it's okay. You know, as long as I'm willing to be honest about what I do, as long as I'm willing to be responsible and, to, and accountable for what I do, you know, make amends where I've hurt other people and just move on. That's fine. Um, and, you know, will I have another relapse? Will I, I don't know. I could, I don't know. You know, I never thought I'd have this recovery. I never, ever thought it would happen. Um, and I still have slips. I still have days where I, you know, I send my, my sponsor a lot of pictures. And I send him pictures of foods that I normally don't eat. But that's, you know, but that's our arrangement. And what I found is a very, I, I'm learning the beauty of imperfection. An imperfect abstinence really does work. Um, I never thought it would. I thought everything's black and white with me. You know, I thought, you know, I've got to like gut it out. It's got to be tough. It's got to be painful. That's the only way I'm going to lose weight. That's the only, it hasn't been that way. Um, you know, for me, the amazing thing is that, you know, a gentle approach can work. Um, and in terms of like, will I relapse again? I don't know. Maybe. Um, but so the focus for me, which is really hard because I'm always in the future, always in the past, is just for today. What can I do just for today? And sometimes it's like, what can I do for the next five minutes um, or the next five seconds? And when I, when, I, when I slow down and bring my focus in, I'm okay. But when I start looking out, like looking to the past and regretting all the dumb things I did or looking to the future about all the bad things that are out there lurking, I'm toast. Those are the days I don't get much done. Those are the days the food really calls to me. Um, so it's just learning to, um, again, it's just like, it's here and now. What's going on right now? That's all I can deal with, and that's enough. So with that, I'll close. And thank you so much for um, allowing me to share my story.